Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk with Reverend Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace through practical application. Here is your host, Reverend Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour. Bonjour. Oh my goodness, what a great topic we have for today, coping with anger. Yes. <laughs> Something I used to do, but I don't recommend. <laughs> I definitely don't recommend it. So let's begin with a prayer. I place my hand on my heart and I'm grateful and thankful that managing and coping with anger, with distress, with upset is not our destiny. We are choosing the highest and best. We're choosing clear insight, harmony, Clarity of intention, clarity of mind, peace in our heart, peace in our mind, peace in our conversations and in our awareness. So grateful to recognize that we are the peace of God and it is our spiritual responsibility to bring the peace of God to every conversation. Yes, offering wholeness and harmony to our brothers and sisters, sharing the benefits with all. We let it be, and so it is. Amen. Amen, amen. So I've shared before that I had a really big habit of anger, being angry much of the time. My father once said to me when I was maybe around 30 years old, that I was an angry child. And I don't know that I was necessarily an angry child, but uh, I do know I felt very frustrated and I felt very challenged. I didn't like being controlled or manipulative, manipulated and... Uh, I felt like there was a lot of that in my family, and which has really healed, and I'm so grateful for that. Um, so that experience of people trying to control me and manipulate me was very intense for me. And it, I used to get angry. I used to get angry. Yes, I did. Oh, my goodness. So... I just felt like I was a walking anger time bomb because I wasn't dealing with the root causes of it. And I began to deal with the root causes of it in my later 20s when I started working with a spiritual counselor. So that was helpful to me. And I started doing my own spiritual work and meditation, spiritual practices. And the more I did that, the more the root causes of anger were getting healed. And then I would say in my 40s, I really started working on the root causes of anger and the habit of anger. And nowadays, I experience that old anger as minor irritations and frustrations uh, of which I have some every day, but I don't explode in anger. I don't simmer and stew in anger, and I'm grateful for that. Every now and then I do get triggered and I start to simmer or stew on something. And 
But I actually find that I just keep giving it to the Holy Spirit, giving it to the Holy Spirit, and praying for the highest and best to unfold and to see my brothers and sisters as they truly are and to love them fully and completely. And I find my heart heals. And the original upsets are dissolved and resolved permanently back to the root cause. So now I know that anytime I'm upset, it's an opportunity to have a permanent and lasting healing. And so it's actually helpful to me to recognize when I feel frustrated or upset. Something is up for healing. That's what we say in Masterful Living and in the Finding Freedom from Fear boot camp. So, oh, by the way, Finding Freedom on Early Bird Special this month of August. So if you've been wishing to join us, now is your time. Jump in and uh, register because Early Bird Special ends August 31st. And I also have a a um, special for Finding Freedom and Stop Playing Small, the online retreat in September, so you can bundle them and save big, as they say. So anger was a core issue for me most of my life, and it's not anymore. And what a relief it is to put that behind me. You know, so many of the most upsetting patterns that uh, I thought would never be able to be healed uh, because I thought I was really responding to the world and that the world was upsetting me. I didn't realize that the um, cry for love was coming from within the house, within my own consciousness, and that if I could shift my consciousness and see the world differently, I wouldn't be upset anymore. So really learning that, practicing that, getting that, so that now I know that every day, it's a complete game changer. Because I can be peaceful and harmonious almost all the time, and I'm very, very grateful for that. All right, so in um, looking at this, I'm very glad Spirit gave me this topic, gave it to us. Uh, I've, I've found something in the Manual for Teachers. It's from Chapter 17, which is entitled, How Do God's Teachers Deal with Magic Thoughts? And it, it's interesting here uh, because it's talking about healing and the temptation of magic thoughts. And uh, I'm going to just skim through some of this. So the first responsibility of the healer or the teacher of God is not to attack, not to attack the magic thoughts or the person who's thinking the magic thoughts, Right, so we're we're responding with love, with compassion, with kindness, um, and uh, I don't want to get into a conversation about magic thoughts, but it does talk about anger in this section. So that's the part that I feel guided to, and. So I'm going to go down to paragraph three here, where in sentence three, he says, attack can enter only if perception of separate goals has entered. And this is specifically for a teacher of God working with someone who has magic thoughts. Attack can enter only if perception of separate goals has entered. And this must indeed have been the case if the result is anything but joy. And I feel this is helpful to us in our day-to-day conversations. So let's say that you are um, at work and somebody has different goals than you. You might find in your mind that 
you are thinking thoughts of attack, how to tear them down, how to say what's what, and make them wrong. Now, by now, some of us have come to see that making others wrong just isn't helpful. And instead of arguing for our rightness and their wrongness, if we can instead, what's the loving thing to do? Give it to the Holy Spirit. Lead us, guide us to the highest ground. So attack can enter only if perception of separate goals has entered. We can see this in a family. Uh, the, the teenager wants to go to um, art school and the parents want the child to go to a different kind of school. And so there's the perception of different goals, Right of what kind of education and what the training would be for. Now, if we can step back from that perception of different goals to, wait a minute, let's step back. What's the school for? What is the school for? For training you to do something you love to do. It's for training you to be... um, some would say a better person, a more educated person, a more conscious, awake person. It's for training you in socialization and and uh, having intelligent conversations with your peers and and having a debate on topics and learning from different points of view and becoming more well-rounded, as they say. And uh, to experience more diversity, lots of different goals that people have going to college. But I think one of the main goals that people have in seeking a higher education is more fulfillment and finding a career path that's fulfilling, that is also going to support them in their financial goals if they don't come from wealth, let's say. So if the parent thinks, oh, you go to art school, you're never going to be successful. Well, some artists are incredibly successful at, on all kinds of levels. Um, my niece, ha- uh, for a time, made a very good living uh, designing tiles for like bathrooms and kitchens and things like that and working with various artists on those tile designs. You know, that you, typically you don't think of that as an artistic thing, but it for sure is. There's many ways. Because she's an artist, but she's an interior designer, and so she uses all her artistry in that work of interior design. So you never know. You never know how it's all going to play out. And she went to an art school for interior design, but it was an art school. Anyway, if we get hung up that the happiness can only come if they become a lawyer, they can only come if they live in Wisconsin near me. Happiness can only come if they, uh, I don't know. You see, when there's attachment like that, then... We've got false idols operating and attack will enter because there's the perception of separate goals. So just think about the the people in your life that you've had arguments with, parents, children, spouses, friends, co-workers, etc. There's the appearance of separate goals. But if you step back, you will see that the majority of people, their goal is really to be happy, to be prosperous and happy and healthy. They may be going about it in a way that you wouldn't like or agree to, but that doesn't mean that that's not their goal. So it really can help to step back from what the goals are. 
uh, what you think the goals are to the next level in the goal, especially if you're having an argument with someone. So it says here, the single aim of the teacher turns the divided goal of the pupil into one direction with the call for help becoming his one appeal. This, then, is easily responded to with just one answer. And this answer will enter the teacher's mind unfailingly. From there, it shines into his pupil's mind, making it one with his. So the single aim of the teacher is the the awakening, the oneness, the joining, seeing only the Christ within the pupil in this experience. And doing that, seeing the Christ within the pupil, then you can see the cry for help, the cry for love, and it's easily responded to with love. And then, as I would say it, Love becomes the healer once again. Now, here's the part about anger that I find helpful. Perhaps it will be helpful to remember that no one can be angry at a fact. No one can be angry at a fact. It is always an interpretation that gives rise to negative emotions, regardless of their seeming justification by what appears as facts. Regardless, too, of the intensity of the anger that is aroused, it may be merely slight irritation, perhaps too mild to be even clearly recognized. Or it may also take the form of intense rage, accompanied by thoughts of violence, fantasized or apparently acted out. It does not matter. All of these reactions are the same. They obscure the truth, and this can never be a matter of degree. Either truth is apparent or it is not. It cannot be partially recognized. Who is unaware of truth must look upon illusions. So you may have noticed I talk about the truth a lot. I'm interested in the truth. So I've trained myself, and I still work at it, to when I feel annoyed, frustrated, irritated, to recognize that there's no difference between that and an incredible rage, a violent rage, in the sense that I am not I am believing something that is not true. That's why I'm upset. Every time I'm upset, I'm believing something that's not true. The truth sets us free from being upset. Truth sets us free from all the misperceptions and misdirections. So I I really have learned to say to myself when I feel irritated, and again, everyday occurrence in my life, and it could be just I'm irritated because I forgot to get something at the store. I'm irritated because I thought uh, I had enough time to blah, 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 and now I don't, and I'm irritated. And so, but I'm not I'm always irritated because I think it should be different. I'm always irritated because I am buying into an illusion that different would be better. And I'm judging myself or whatever's going on as not being good. I'm not interested in doing that anymore So I'm catching myself and saying, my good is here now. My good is here now. I accept my good. I'm not going to block my good by thinking it's not here now when it actually is. So the good is here now for everyone who has eyes to see and ears to hear. Okay. Paragraph five here. Anger 
in response to perceived magic thoughts is a basic cause of fear. Consider what this reaction means and its centrality in the world's thought system becomes apparent. A magic thought, by its mere presence, acknowledges a separation from God. It states, in the clearest form possible, that the mind which believes it has a separate will that can oppose the will of God also believes it can succeed. So magic thoughts would be thinking that healing comes from the world or illness comes from the world rather than from our mind. Those are some magic thoughts. So magic, you know, a lot of people think of magic as being, well, if I take this flu medicine, it's going to help me. That's the magic thought. And when really what it is, is we are giving ourselves permission mentally to have a different experience. And I, I remember talking about this with Gary Renard, one of the very first times we went out to dinner, we were talking about magic and magic thoughts and using things like hypnosis or medications. And what I've come to see, and I've been talking about this in Masterful Living uh, in the, recently, is that when we truly have accepted or we've, we've decided, I, I'm really interested in healing these things, whatever they are, at the root cause. Could be emotional, could be mental, could be circumstantial, could be physical. It could be finances, it could be relationship. I'm really interested in the healing. I'm really willing to have a healing. I'm really not interested in managing and coping with this anymore. Then we really can have a healing if we invoke that higher Holy Spirit self and rely not upon the ego perceptions and projections and People have really uh, developed so many resources in the world for healing, which are good, but we don't have to go to a healer to be healed of anything. We don't. And I'm not saying that going to a healer is wrong or bad. Joining with anyone is always good, especially if they are loving and especially if they are willing to recognize that our power comes not from the ego or the world, but from the infinite mind of God. It is our inheritance from our creator, the power of God within us. That's the thing that heals. And, for instance, it's a fact that placebos work about 30% of the time. A third of the time, placebos work. I've mentioned this many times because I had a friend who worked in the pharmaceutical industry as a sales rep and he told me over and over and over again, the research showed with all kinds of medications, placebos worked about as well as the actual medication because it's all happening at the level of the mind. And then some people don't actually want to have the healing and so the medication won't work for them, just like the placebo will. And related to this, in uh, chapter 28, section 6, which is, this is the text now, chapter 28, section 6, uh, which is entitled The Secret Vows, uh, talks about vows that we make that are self-destructive. It begins with, who punishes the body is insane. 
For here the little gap is seen, and yet it is not here. It has not judged itself, nor made itself to be what it is not. So if I substitute the body for the word it here. The body has not judged itself, nor made itself to be what it is not. The body does not seek to make of pain a joy and look for lasting pleasure in the dust. The body does not tell you what its purpose is and cannot understand what it is for. It does not victimize because it has no will, no preferences, and no doubts. It does not wonder what it is, and so the body has no need to be competitive. The body can be victimized, but cannot feel itself as a victim. The body accepts no role, but does what it is told without attack. All right. Again, chapter 28, section 6, The Secret Vows. That's the first paragraph there. Powerful stuff. Powerful stuff for us to recognize because many, many people are walking around believing that their body has its own thinking and decision-making, which it doesn't. It has no volition, as we would say in the science of mind. It just doesn't have the ability to make decisions. That's at the level of the mind. And right now it's time for me to take a break. My name's Jennifer Hadley. We're talking about A Course in Miracles, and we're letting go of managing and coping with anger. Woohoo! Don't go away! This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. All right, we're back and talking about anger. Now, uh, we're in Chapter 28, Section 6, Paragraph 5, Section 6, The Secret Vows. And it says here, Sickness is anger taken out upon the body so that it will suffer pain. Sickness is anger taken out upon the body so that it will suffer pain. So who is taking the anger out on the body? The ego-identified person is. And there's nobody in this world that doesn't experience sickness. I've never heard of somebody that doesn't experience sickness. So we're all doing it. And if you look at history with so many um, mystics and people who have... um, just a great love of God, so close to God. Sometimes they're very sickly. Sickness is anger taken out upon the body. And what is the anger about? In this, he talks about, it's, it's anger about separation. What else is there to be angry for in this world? Right? When you boil every cause of anger down, of course, it's all going to come down to feeling separate from God, believing in separation. Of course, it's going to come down to that every time. Now, we're talking about managing and coping with anger. And what I've learned is, don't do it, go for the healing. In the Course, Jesus makes it very clear, anger is never justified. But we always seek to justify it, don't we? We have a right to be angry. Of course we're angry. You make me so angry. We justify it. We have a long list of justifications for the anger. I know I've talked about this before. My friend whose father killed her mother and then killed himself right in front of her. Um, 
he, right before he killed her, killed the mother, he said, you made me do this to you. There's, the anger is justified. You made me do this to you. It's understandable from the egoic perspective because in that story, the mother had divorced the husband. That separation was unbearable to him. It was like every separation magnified. And of course, there's really only one separation. So think about all the times that you have felt angry. If you're willing to look at it from, oh, I'm angry because I feel separate. And this is triggering my belief in separation. This is magnifying my belief in separation or my experience of separation and I find it so painful it's intolerable I can't handle it unbearable if you're willing in that moment to say Holy Spirit this belief this pattern this habit of being angry, feeling separate, being annoyed, frustrated, irritated. This is up for healing right now. And I am choosing healing. I'm not going to justify my attack because no attack is justified. Now, one thing we can look at is specialness. The upset is often around specialness. You are doing something that indicates to me through my lens of perception that I am not special to you. And that pisses me off. A lot of people get pissed off when they feel unrecognized, unappreciated. Why? Because it pokes the wound in their consciousness that says they're unworthy of love. They're not special. And that's the thing that's getting poked. And if I don't think you're special in my world, and I'm not giving you that place of specialness, think of people in a restaurant. How dare you put me in this table by the door? I, I, I'm better than that. I'm not accepting that. People get angry. Instead of just saying, you know, I, I don't feel comfortable sitting by the door. Is it possible to sit somewhere else? And if it's not, I totally understand. I think I'm just going to choose a different restaurant because I just want to have my meal in a way that feels comfortable to me. So no problem. That's the only table you have right now. But if you do have another table, that would be great. Don't have to throw a fit. Don't have to make a stink. Don't have to make anybody wrong or bad. But people who feel insecure feel threatened. People who feel secure don't feel threatened. It's that simple. It's that simple. One of the things that's been very helpful to me is realizing that really, truly, anger is never justified. And... If I'm moving in the direction of justifying it or justifying anything that is upsetting, I can just pause and go to the Holy Spirit for clarity. Because if I'm upset and I'm bothered, I'm not clear. 
I'm not valuing the truth. I'm not recognizing the truth. And maybe I'm not even interested in the truth until I realize, oh, I'm upset, but I don't have to be. Because that's the thing I find is really challenging is folks who are insecure tolerate being upset a lot. Because insecurity comes from lack of love. Lack of love in our thoughts. And so people who are insecure are experiencing a lack of love. So making them wrong for their lack of love is not helpful. Even though their anger is never justified when it's directed at us, making them wrong is not helpful. Because somebody who is angry is not paying attention, doesn't understand what's going on. So if we do, then it's our turn to answer the cry for love with love. Love heals all wounds, all misperceptions and projections. Being willing to give the attack thoughts and the desire to attack, the interest in attack to the Holy Spirit for healing permanently back to the root cause. That's something we can do. It doesn't cost anything. All it takes is a little bit of consciousness, a little bit of willingness. Again, really, just a little bit of willingness to not be miserable. Because when we're angry and we're feeling threatened and attacked, we're feeling separate, why tolerate it? Why tolerate it? But that's the thing. The person who doesn't love themselves will tolerate all manner of difficulty and they'll even instigate it. I know because that's what I used to do and I don't do it anymore. Attack is never justified. So we can have an extraordinary healing and we can have all of these things healed back to the root cause. Pay attention to this need for specialness and when you don't get it or you think that someone is disrespecting you and you get angry, you wouldn't get angry if you loved yourself. You wouldn't get angry if you had a sense of security within yourself, which can only come from love. So if you're angry, be willing to join with the Holy Spirit and not tolerate the anger. That's the thing we need to really stop doing is tolerating the anger. We have an opportunity for healing rather than managing and coping. So, uh, <laughs> it's, it's crazy how common this is on a daily experience. At least it was for me. Oh my goodness, I'm so grateful that we can heal this. That's one of the things I love most about Masterful Living is seeing people who have really struggled with anger uh, learn to recognize it as a habit, an addiction even, and that it can be transformed to a real, true, and lasting happiness. A recognition that peace is already pre-installed and it's just hiding behind that need for specialness, the insecurity, and the ensuing anger. So managing and coping with pain and suffering, it's not the way to go, but it is the way of the world, 
right? It's so think of crucifixion complex. It's the way of the world. Seeing yourself as a victim, a victim of your body, a victim of your family, a victim of your co-workers, a victim of your spouse, your children, your parents, all of that, seeing yourself as a victim, unloved and unlovable. That is the way of the world. But that doesn't mean it's correct. That doesn't mean that it's something that needs to continue because it does not. So we have to be willing to interrupt these patterns. And one of the things that I teach in Masterful Living is that an end in finding freedom from fear boot camp is that interrupting the patterns is 99% of the work. So giving you tools to use to interrupt those patterns and to become committed to interrupting those patterns and then remembering to laugh, remembering to laugh at the situations and the circumstances that used to be so painful. We can actually now laugh at them because we're not getting triggered like we used to. And that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And that's a gift only we can give to ourselves. So if you really contemplate and pay attention to how throughout the course of your days and weeks are you actually managing and coping with the anger and you are developing or have developed probably some really good coping strategies, managing strategies. One of the ways that people do that is they avoid certain people. It's very common. Another one of the things I love most about our programs like Finding Freedom and Masterful Living is people will say things like, I'm having Thanksgiving with my family for the first time in six years. I'm having Christmas with my family for the first time in a decade. I'm going on vacation with, for, with my family for the first time in years. Uh, I'm, I'm going to visit my sibling. I thought I would never visit them again. Uh, my sibling's coming to visit me, my brother, my sister. Um, I'm having Thanksgiving at my house this year. I'm having Easter at my house this year. I'm, uh, moving to be close to my daughter and the grandchildren. She asked me to move near them. I'm moving near to be near my son. I never thought that would happen. He didn't speak to me for four years. Over and over and over again, I hear these stories. What happened? The Course in Miracles student actually started living a Course in Miracles, eliminating the separation thinking and eliminating all the justifications for anger and attack and taking responsibility for what they're feeling, what they're seeing, what they're experiencing, and practicing being compassionate. Of course, the self-forgiveness work is number one because it, it takes out the mental and emotional trash and it permanently flushes it so that those things can't get triggered anymore. And when they can't get triggered anymore, people are not going to come up to you triggering it because the trigger is gone. So instead, Spirit will send people to bring you other opportunities to heal and not triggering the latent anger because the latent anger has been healed at the root cause. But, you know, people don't believe it can work for them. One of the most common things I hear in our programs, when I started, I really didn't believe this would work for me. I just thought it can't work for me. It really can't. I expected that it would not work. That was what I really thought would happen. I'm amazed that it works even for me. I hear this all the time. So this is one of the 
things where we can see. It's so common. I used to think those thoughts too. So, so committed to my unworthiness was I. <laughs> That's it. And so I can, I can totally understand when I meet someone who feels committed to their unworthiness as well. And then, you know, what happens is the unworthiness becomes so intolerable, it seems to be the cause of a lot of anger. The unworthiness gets poked and poked and poked, and that's one of the things that happens when people become filled with a murderous rage and they actually plot these murderous escapades where they're shooting up people with machine guns and churches and stores and mosques and places of work and malls and hitting people with their cars intentionally, all these different things that people do. Think of things like the Ku Klux Klan, lynching people, murdering people. And what are they so upset about? It's all separation. It's all the belief in separation. It's all the belief in not good enough. It's all the quest for specialness. So challenging to manage and cope with it. I... I I really feel like I'm on a mission to help people stop that because it's not necessary. And, of course, it's not helpful because whenever we're managing and coping with anything, anything at all, then we're doing that. Why? Why are we managing and coping with things? Managing and coping with unhappy relationships, unpleasant jobs, unfulfilling work, uh, poverty, illness, all the things that we manage and cope with. Why are we managing and coping with it? If we believed it would be healed, it could be healed, would we be managing and coping with it? Of course not. Not for a second. No. No, but we don't believe it can be healed. And we don't feel worthy of the healing and that's why we don't believe it can be healed. Because we don't feel worthy of the healing. And yet we are, we are, we are. No one could be more worthy than we are. One of the things that I've observed is that people who were traumatized and who hasn't been traumatized? Everybody's been traumatized. But the more traumatization that's happened, the more trauma that's occurred, the more people feel unworthy of love. And the healing for the trauma is love. So we can open up to receive the love from our Creator from the angels, from the invisible. And in doing that, we can train ourselves to realize that we are lovable. So if you feel that you feel unworthy of love, ask the angels to give you a sign that you're worthy of love. Ask them to do it every day. Now, they will. Of course they will. But will you recognize it? If you don't want to recognize it, you won't. You'll say, ah, that's just a coincidence. That's not a sign that I'm loved or lovable. So we have to be willing to open and be the person that has eyes to see and ears to hear. Right? So... Just keep doing it as a daily experience. Angels, spirit, show me that I'm worthy of love. Teach me that I'm worthy of love. I'm willing 
to recognize and to know and to remember that I am worthy of love and all are worthy of love. Because to me, that's such an important point for us to recognize is that all are worthy of love. It's a journey of healing that can go so fast. That's what I see for some of the people in our programs. It goes by so fast. And if you would like support, I encourage you to work with one of our spiritual counselors. They do such a good job. So powerful. And with any of the counselors who are in the certification training program, you can do it on a donation basis. So go to jenniferhadley.com forward slash spiritual counselors. Just go look at the menu. You'll see where the counselors are. There are those who are certified and those who are still in the training. And they do a wonderful job. They help so many people. And they've been doing the work themselves for some time. So they really know a lot about it. And they have wonderful tools that can support you. It's profound. We can move out of managing and coping with pain and suffering. We don't have to do that anymore. We are not victims. Do not energize ever that you're a victim of the world because you're not. You're not. And, but we all have felt that way. And so now is the time for healing that so we can get on with being truly helpful because that is our destiny. And that is what we are here for. I'm here only to be truly helpful. So I place my hand in my heart and I am grateful and thankful for the love of God that shines so clearly. So grateful to accept the Christ within and to know that all is one. So grateful to let it be and share the benefits with all. We know it's done and so it is. Amen. 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 I love you. God bless you. Mwah.